All right. Okay. So today uh, is an exciting episode. Hello, people. What's up? Because uh, we're outside. If you're hearing this on podcast, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you can't see this, but we have a YouTube. So if you go to Salvican Sisters on YouTube, you'll find our uh, the visuals. Yeah, and you'll find our previous podcast too. They're not visually exciting like this, but we wanted to give you guys a treat. And today we wanted to talk about well, Desiree wanted to talk about some stuff. Um, yeah. So, Des, what do you wanna do? You wanna start us off on what? Why you wanted to do this post- episode? Um, yeah. I think it's important for me and other people like me to talk about mental health. I'm sorry if that sounds very dry or stoic. Um, but this is my life. Well, it makes sense to how you say it, so... Yeah, because it's 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 uh it's a it's a complicated topic to get like uh, enthusiastic or excited about to be I don't know I guess to have like an upbeat flair around it because it is so like complex for I think a lot of people. So I just want to warn you, like if I crack some jokes. <laughs> It's because she's feeling really uncomfortable. It's because I cope. I got to cope somehow. Yeah, so Desiree wanted to do this episode to talk about some things surrounding her mental health after being in the military and her experience around getting care for that part of her health. And there's another part of it the why like why is she getting all this help in the first place right yeah and uh we'll get to that part later oh the sun is out it's cold out here guys it's i don't know like what 60 it's probably it's pretty windy it's It's, a little breezy it's chilly but the sun just came out so i'm feeling good hello welcome to nila news hello sun yeah hopefully we're not out of focus in the camera Uh. but um yeah so let's start off with what is your mental health diagnosis? Okay, so I was diagnosed with uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. That's what PTSD stands for. Uh, anxiety and depression. And do you want to provide a bit of background on how it was to be told that this was your diagnosis? Yeah, because it was a really it was a really complicated way that it all went down. This is from a psychologist in the in the military uh, healthcare. This is while I was active duty. So there was a lot of there was a very uh, crazy time in my life, and I guess a better word would just be like I don't know, a really heightened, stressful time for me. A lot of things were going on. So 
I was hearing a bunch of news about various things. And this is one of those things. It's like, hey, and you also have this. But the way that it was told to me was uh, you're I'm diagnosing you with PTSD and anxiety and depression. And to be honest with you, you've probably had this ever since you were a kid. And so Damn, they told you that. Yeah. But at the way that I'm saying it, it doesn't sound as harsh. She was she said it to me in a way that was like out of pity. You know what I mean? Kind of like a. You felt like it was out of pity. Yeah, that's how I felt it was in the moment. Um, I It definitely does feel a little bit like, well, damn, if this is what I, the news that I'm getting for just like relaying my life, you know, just telling telling my life, you know, I'm, I'm telling this stranger like th- the things that you don't talk about or the things I don't talk about. And to have it, received in that way is it's shocking and it just it definitely does make me think like damn if this is if this is the diagnosis that i'm receiving like what is the diagnosis of all the other stories that i've heard that don't even get the opportunity to seek uh this sort of care or whatever or attention and yeah and I just I don't know there's just a lot sitting on that like you know like my parents my parents parents like what like if I have PTSD then why what makes me wonder like well then what would they be diagnosed with and that and that just brings up a lot of complicated uh feelings and thoughts for me and I would imagine that when you were told these diagnoses, uh, you also had multiple providers. Yeah. So you were kind of being told this from different the different provider or provide background on the different types of support you had. Okay. For all so this. yeah, I had a a therapist, a psychologist. I also saw uh my PCM, which is my primary care physician or medical doctor. So I was, and then they referred me to a specialist for a gastro gastroenterologist. So I was seeing various people surrounding like everything that attributed to my mental health and my wellness. And were you told by all, well, I would imagine maybe by for sure one of them, your diagnosis, but were you told also multiple times from other of the, your providers? Um, no. The only person that formally diagnosed me was my psychologist. And um, a lot of the other people were just trying to offer, like, I guess, backup support. Like, for example, the therapy or my therapist helped me with, like, grounding techniques and things like that. And the doctor wanted to make sure that maybe that there was... That's why they... Uh, sent me to a specialist, a gastroenterologist, to make sure that nothing was wrong with, like, my digestive system. For example, like, the like a choking sensation from having panic attacks, making sure that there was nothing um, physiologically connected to that sort of response. So just, yeah, just kind of like this background support. That's a lot, dude. Yeah, and there's more to it. It's not, those weren't just the only people I was seeing at the time. You want to share 
the other part of people that you were seeing? Uh, yeah, at the, at the same time, I was also um, interacting with, uh, you know, police, like the city, like city police, uh, higher ranking personnel to, you know, get more support from my job. Uh, also, uh, an attorney, also, um, like, uh, invest, investigative specialists in the military. You had to talk, to, you had to talk to an investigator? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. Basically, there was a lot of people that you were interacting with that were like was well, just a lot. I mean, yeah. how was how was your experience in interacting with all of them cuz supposedly they're all there to support you, right? Yeah. But that might not I don't know, like how was your experience? Did you feel like you were getting support? Who did you feel like you were getting support from? Uh Yeah, it's it is interesting cuz it's like I definitely did feel really supported by um by everybody i'm super thankful for everybody but at the same time like it did there is this sense of like a uh, compulsion that comes up with like how did i get here i don't ever want to be here again so in order to like make sure you know there is like this layer of like i'm so thankful for all the people that are here to help me but like at the end of the day i gotta have my own back so like journaling really helped to supplement that to make sure like if I interacted with anybody like to like to write down what was said to like take pictures to just all kinds of stuff to make sure that what I know that I'm experiencing is really true and is really happening because if it ever comes out that like somebody's trying to gaslight me or trying to say like something didn't happen or something happened that didn't like all these sort of things getting twisted up I wanted to make sure that I had my own reference point because I was I was out there alone like I was it was only me it's not like you know I didn't have any family around or friend like long long-term friends that I felt like I could really really like trust yeah and I remember that you felt like you had to keep telling your story again to oh, yeah. a lot of people i mean not only the people supporting like you know the lawyers and yeah. the therapists and all that but i mean how was that having to tell your story over and over not only to yourself but to all these people yeah uh it's it's like it's embarrassing it's uh it's demoralizing it's like it's like being naked like imagine showing up to work naked in front of your boss cuz your boss also knew what was happening yeah cuz uh there was a you know there's there's elements to my story where I felt like I needed all the support that I could get. And that required me having to tell various people, not just any people, but people who could, I felt help me people who had power to do something about it. 
let's go back for a minute about when you got your diagnosis. Yeah. Did you understand what it was when you were told these diagnoses at that time? Uh, no. And like, in a way, I still kind of don't. And how does that make you feel? Lost. I think because of the way that it was told to me, like, this is probably how I've been my whole life. So there is this element of like, well, like, I don't know anything else. Mm. Yeah. But it goes deeper. It's like, if I don't know anything else, then like... Cause, because in my head, like, growing up, you know, it's like, you know, we we did this to give the best for you, you know, like my parents. or So it's like they had to sacrifice so much to give me what I had because, you know, they had, they had it rough growing up. And, like, the stories that they would tell, I'm like, oh, shit, man, that is intense. Like, and these are, like, bedtime stories, like with the things that they yeah. encountered in their lives and yeah like it, it like i couldn't like just growing up it's like i don't have it that bad like i really don't have it that bad and so for for this lady to tell me it's like you probably had this your whole life it's like i don't know it just makes me feel like all types of ways and so How do you feel? I mean, I feel like you're sharing this, like you said earlier, right? Because you want to bring awareness to mental health and yeah, the importance of, you know, all of us taking care of our emotional and mental well-being. But do you, what's your relationship like to your diagnosis? Uh, Like disconnected. I don't. I don't, I don't feel like, I don't know. It just feels like this label that was bestowed upon me. How about we go into the difficulty you have around the other half of this story, Uh which is. You're just having a hard time being vulnerable and sharing the why part. Yeah. And you made it clear that you don't want to share that. Yeah, I don't feel entirely comfortable disclosing that. But do you want to get into that? Like why? Like why you feel uncomfortable? Uh, or how How do you feel? Like, Well, there's yeah. definitely like a vulnerability aspect around the why because there's a lot of like shame mixed up to that but also just like the like I it just it feels very personal and I hope I hope that in the future that I will feel empowered or compelled or inspired to want to go into it further but I just haven't had that feeling. 
And I think part of it is because of like the whole process of like trying to seek justice and and uh, care and attention and support requires you to do it like so much that it's just kind of like, okay, like like I'm tired, like the people that need that need that I felt needed to know to help me now know and there's like this whole element to that like having to sometimes convince people other times like you know having this like sort of twisted ball knot of like shame or pity that you have for yourself while you tell people knowing that it's gonna break their heart but like like that's the reality so having to do that over and over again it's exhausting yeah but I'm thankful for journaling I feel like this kind of goes into the reality that you were in at that time, which was you still had a few months yeah. or close to a year, I think. Uh, Yeah. No. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Like seven months, I think, left of active duty service in the military. And so you were. You wanted to touch upon that part which was that you're in the military the military has a certain relationship with mental health Mm -hmm. that you were very aware of yeah culturally yeah and you know layer that on top of the fact that your identity was very different from a lot of the folks that you're around and yeah that added another layer of complexity yeah uh on top of being a woman yeah which goes in part into your identity so there's a lot of layers that go around your experience that you shared Mm -hmm. do you want to provide your experience on that like yeah like the the context surrounding that it definitely does it definitely did feel a lot like and in some ways it still kind of does because it's like how many like i like I don't think I've ever met a female veteran or a woman veteran. I mean, I guess I have because I've been to ceremonies where they separate when they separated or retired. But it's like it still feels like a little bit of like that alien feeling, let alone somebody who like proudly identifies as like first generation, like. It's just a really. It's it feels like a weird world to navigate. Now, both being when I was in and when I, now that I'm out. Well, talk about when you were in because you shared how well thus right like how the military, especially the Air Force, tries to bring awareness to mental health. Yeah, it's such a big problem, not just in the Air Force but across all the military branches. Yeah, but you didn't feel that education being reflected in the culture. Correct. It was definitely like an offset of like, like, oh, see something, say something. But also like if you 
say something, there is a reality of like, well, now you're not going to get that position that allows you to have like a top secret clearance and different opportunities like that because it's so tied into like the status of your health and wellness. And that includes mental health. And then how was navigating that with the fact that you're also a woman, you're Latina? Uh, that's a whole nother scope of things because there's definitely this layer of like lost in translation of like talking about uh, common, like for me, what felt like common occurrences growing up the way that I was, I feel like I could relate to like my friends back home and like you guys and like just a lot of other people who weren't in the military. And it was really hard to find that level of understanding while being in the military including with like with the health providers. Do you want to you want to give a little story of an experience with like what navigating all that or no? Uh cuz you have a lot. Yeah, there is a lot. It <laughs> And that's the type of that's the way that I feel like I'm trying to work on my vulnerability because it this stuff doesn't just flow out of me. This is like if you don't ask me, I'm not going to tell you. And I think that's just the way that I've operated like my whole life. And it's hard to break that. So I guess I, I got to think like, well, <laughs> like I always want to follow something like a question with the question. Like you ask me a question. I, the first thing I'm like, well, what do you mean? And and you shared with this with us the other day, but yeah. like, why is your response like that? It's always because it's like I don't want to say say something out of line. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to give away too much. Like I, because you feel like there's so much there is, and that that's part of it. There is, uh, there's this term that my uh, therapist had said. It was it's called bottlenecking, and that would be some some of the things that would I would experience like. Uh, especially like experiencing like a panic attack and things like that. Like once they start asking these really like poignant questions, it all starts coming back up and it could, it leads to a panic attack. <sighs> and that's, that's hard. Cause it's like, you don't, you don't even know where to start. Like it's just all like, I like a volcano. Yeah. I mean, I definitely can relate to that. I know in my therapy sessions, like, I have a hard time crying. And when it gets to that point in sessions where I want to cry, in real life too, though, right? But in therapy, it's highlighted mm. that when I want to cry, like, I don't cry. I don't want to cry because I feel like if I start to cry, I'm going to cry forever. Yeah. And that it's never going to stop. And I'm going to cry the type of cry where my whole body gets involved and like it's it's tiring. Mm -hmm. Like I feel exhausted because my whole body's tense. Like I feel like I would wail when I'm crying. Oh, yeah. You know. I don't know if that's what I mean, I don't think I have panic attacks when I do try to cry, but. Do you want to give insight into what it feels like to go through that? Um, or no? Yeah, like for me, for me, there's like a deep, deep level of shame. And I've, and I've told you this before, Jess, like 
when I get into that state of just like panic and like stress, frustration, sadness, um, all at once, it definitely does feel very like hopeless and like like I feel sorry for myself I feel pity I feel like and I feel there's a lot of shame surrounding that because it's like like I almost have like this out-of-body experience like I can like see myself and hear myself and I just can't help but portray that version like that version that I'm hearing and seeing is like it's so weak and it's and like it just sounds so helpless and it makes me feel it doesn't make me feel good about myself it makes me feel like this is a person who's really broken and who needs help and it just makes me feel really sad because it's like I don't I don't want to be that that inner critic man no and that's the thing it doesn't leave me even in those moments even in those moments I'm still like oh my god like look at you you're a mess yeah. Helika, do you feel like you have an inner critic? Um Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because when you said my name and I was listening to Desiree, like I got a pang in my chest and I was like, "Oh shit, she's talking to me." <laughs> Cuz um I don't think I have um, an inner critic, but it was just, it was, I could relate a lot to what you were saying, Desiree, about, and to you too, when you're saying that you feel like you could cry forever and just, um, yeah, I do have um, an inner critic and it does make me self-sabotage myself sometimes, but I try really hard not to let it get the best of me. Um... So yeah, sometimes that's a battle, but I don't know. I ha- I'm just um I think it doesn't get to me that bad is because I've had a a lot of people reassure me so many times that like I am enough, but also at the same time those same people also did put me down, so it's really confusing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I, I do have one. They say a lot of things. I have multiple, they all have names. I hate them and I love them, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, which is a perfect segue into like, if you've been listening to us for a while, like, you know, there's we use so much sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. When we talk about heavy shit, deflection, is yeah, the name of the game. It's definitely a tactic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a survival tactic, guys. Yeah. <laughs> It is part, yeah, it is partly survival. And then at times, I don't know about you guys, but for me, like, you know, I also d- use it to deflect. Oh, heck yeah. Me too. If I want to mope, I also got to cope. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, moping and coping 2021. <laughs> we need that on a shirt. Oh my God. Since 92. I know, seriously. <laughs> 93 for me. Well, share. I mean, how, do you, how how are your guys' experience around that? Like, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you, Des, that, like, it's a, it's a survival tactic, you know, mm-hmm. that I feel like I use. Like, in the moment, you know, it, it might be better for me to to laugh about it. Yeah. 
But then other times I also feel like I'm at a point in my life where I don't have to use laughter to cope in that moment. And I think, and I could address it, you know, and yeah. But what about you? Like, where are you at in your relationship to trying to uh, work through that? Well, for me, I think it's because I've always felt uh, praised for my humor. Oh, that yeah, it's definitely. hard that it's hard to detach from it fully. So I definitely still embrace it because I think I've refined the art. <laughs> <laughs> but also like I just try to be more um more aware, especially socially, because a lot of the shit that I say is fucked up and that's not cool. And I'm trying to be more aware about that kind of stuff. And you mean that in the context of like trying to be empathetic when other people, right? Or oh yeah, for sure. If somebody wants to get personal with me, like in the past, I would have, you know, I made a joke. Oh heck yeah, <laughs> I would have totally made a joke. But it in the way, like in the way that I thought about it, was like that. That was me trying to help them, like me trying to like give them like this sort of gift of like. Like, uh, this is like, this is what I do. Yeah. And when really like, that's not always the best thing. Yeah. Cause they may, they might just want to, yeah. Yeah. It's not always the best thing. So yeah, just trying to learn that going forward. Do I still use it to cope? Heck yeah. Uh, but my strategy now is to like, I guess, you know, do it internally to acknowledge it you know what i mean don't i don't i'm not quick to like brush it off like now's not the time because oh god i heard that so many times growing up that i don't i don't want to like kill that part of myself but i just want to be aware of it and not and i don't want it to i don't want that to be the first thing i i do or say or react because i definitely do feel like that's become a crutch in my life and you know it's a good tool to have. I think, like I said, I think I've refined it and it's time to pick up another tool and sharpen that one. Give that one attention. Yeah. What about you, Helika? Um, yeah, Desiree has definitely been the more humorous one. Whenever, because I'm the younger sister, so whenever, you know, people want to ask about my sisters or they talk about my sisters, Usually I get with Jessica, like she's really smart and intelligent. And then with Desiree, it's get like, she's really down to earth and funny. And then, <laughs> so I'm a, a prick. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, <laughs> well, my inner critic. No, out. yeah, yeah. I could, I could totally see how you come off as elitist, Jess. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't even trying to do it. Okay. okay. Lean on your crutch again, huh? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. So yeah. But like when they would tell me those things, um, I would just think I wouldn't say this to them because you know I I do think you guys are both really intelligent and both really funny but I also know that you guys have like a dark side that you guys don't show to people and you mean the real side yeah the real side yeah. well not not the real side because also you guys being funny and smart that is you it's just yeah. just the sides of you that you don't show not other the whole people. tea 
Yeah. And it's not exactly like you guys reveal yourselves to me. It's just me observing you. Like, I watch you guys through the crack of your door. And I'm uh, like, damn, she's crying again. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, no. You saw that? <laughs> Come, give me a hug, dude. <laughs> oh, that's another thing I want to talk That's another aspect of vulnerability that I want to talk about. And it's that sort of thing. The uh, physical affection. Oh. Yeah. If for me, like, for... And I think part of like, yeah, my whole life, like when I was going through a rough time and things like that, like I don't like to be consoled. Oh, and neither do I. I hate it. It's same. Yeah, it's it's belittling to me and it it makes me feel like like literally like the 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 feeling I guess like get the fuck off me. Like I wanna swat away a fly. Like don't touch me, don't try to don't try to like coax me or make me feel better. Like I don't know. I guess, and I, I, I almost feel like it goes in part with like the shit that I'm feeling isn't gonna go away with a hug. Exactly. Like, like it's like, and, and it's almost silly. It that's how, and like that's how it feels in the moment. It's like it's almost silly that. I don't know. It just comes off like that's what you think will fix it, and it, it just makes me really frustrated, and I'll but on different levels frustrated that i feel that way and frustrated that like like that i just can't accept it you know what i mean that you're denying yourself a hug yeah yeah because you know the science says it affection in all of its forms is medicine yeah your body literally releases hormones when pleasurable things happen like that like a hug you know yeah it's literally medicine for your body and i mean i'm the same way it does i mean i don't think i'm to the extent of like i'll like fight someone (laughs) (laughs) i Mm. feel like you're more vocal about that yeah so i just stay away from you (laughs) but uh i know when's the last time i hugged you (laughs) i'm definitely more passive about it Mm. um which is not good either. I'm like passive aggressive. <laughs> mm. Pick your poison. And uh, yeah, it's it's hard. I'm trying to work through it. You know, my partner really helps. You guys help. Helica. Helica's the hugger. Yeah, Helica is the hugger. Well, I only hug you guys because I know it makes you uncomfortable. I literally love making people uncomfortable. I don't know why. It's just my thing. Oh, what the hell? I thought you were doing it because you cared about it. I do. I do care about you. But I know that giving you a hug, like, I'm not going to give, like, if somebody likes giving hugs, if someone likes getting hugs, I'm not necessarily going to give them a hug all the time. I'll probably do something else. But, like, for you guys, I know giving hugs is uncomfortable and that you want a hug. So, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I I definitely do feel that, like, in the way that I try to, like, when somebody tries to come tell me something, like, vulnerable or whatever, like, my coping mechanism has been for a long time is to make a joke and things like that, not to offer a hug. That's the last thing I would ever want to do unless they specifically asked me for it. And I've, I've done it before where I'll, I'll ask the person if they want a hug because because I I feel like so many times in my life I have experienced people just touching me without asking while I'm, yeah. like, going through a hard time. And it just makes me feel like, like I'm take, being taken advantage of, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like I'm in a vulnerable state right now. Like I'm literally sobbing my eyes out and you're trying to like caress me or hug me or something. And it's just not it's just not it because it just makes me so frustrated. Yeah. So I, I that's the, that's definitely like one of the things that 
I try to do, especially now that I'm older, like, would you like a hug or would you, you know what I mean? To offer them support verbally first, because I know I hate it so much. Which is another layer, right? Of growing up in the culture that we did. Yeah. Which is very, can be very affectionate, you know? But then there's that added layer of like, consent right like yeah especially as children like i thought about myself as a child and how i was kind of forced to you know acknowledge different people that i didn't even really know yeah and give them a hug and like even maybe give them a kiss and Mm -hmm. it's like i there was moments i didn't want to do that yeah Uh, not because i was being a brat of course the older i got i was being a brat but anti yeah (laughs) but uh when I was younger, like, I just remember, I just don't know them. Like, I don't feel comfortable, you know? Yeah. But I was forced to do it. And it's like... Yeah, like the social obligation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the lesson around consent mm-hmm. wasn't really there for me. Yeah. Um. Because it is important to be able to want to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to your body you know yeah and who you share it with Mm -hmm. amen it's so true it is so true yeah and i and i also oh man this is it it, for me it touches on like for when i was younger being in um intimate relationships and like i'm trying to have a vulnerable moment with my partner that's that's the kind of uh i guess support that they were wanting to offer again without asking you know it's just kind of like this like and it's kind of twisted how sometimes those interactions end up to be at least for me you know what i mean yeah it's like yeah it's it's wild (sighs) does anyone need to take a breath i feel like i've been holding it a little bit yeah it's take a breath i think the wind's helping me yeah, we have the sound of the river. I'm pretty sure the mics can't pick it up, but... Yeah, probably not. Yeah, if you hear screaming or anything like that, it's just we're in a park, so there's other people walking around us. They're far away, but it, just in case. How about we end with Des? Yeah. We started this episode talking about, you know, your mental health diagnoses. Mm-hmm. And your experience navigating that while being in the military. Yes. And having a hard time being vulnerable because there's another part of the story that is hard for you to share. Yeah. For a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. How about now? Where are you at now with Uh, all of that? Now, I feel... Well, I still feel disconnected to my diagnosis. And I think that's part of like also because I got out like this all happened. Like for me, it all felt so fast. Like I was still in the military, but I was still trying to deal with everything that was going on, like seeking treatment and things like that. So then and then the pandemic started (laughs) and then it was time for me to get out of the military. So there was this element of like, okay, I have to transition back into civilian life while in a pandemic. Well, and don't forget, you were also going to go to school over there. Yeah. and I After was, you got out. Yeah. Yeah, like, there was just a lot of different things going on. So, I knew that for a fact I wanted to go to school full time. But, yeah, just figuring out, like, yeah, just 
my life back as a civilian, like how I wanted that to look. So, yeah, I say now I feel a lot more settled, which is good. I feel settled in, in like first and foremost, like like physiologically, uh, I can sleep like a normal person because I was a shift worker so I was you know flip-flopping every month between nights and days so now I can actually sleep I can get my nails done (laughs) Toxica nails hooking it up Uh, yeah just all these like little things and big things you know that I'm able to really enjoy Do you want to share the next step that you took towards oh, yeah. working through your mental health? Yes. Okay. So I've been having a difficult time with the veteran health care, especially like the mental health department. Uh, so I took matters into my own hands and I sought out a therapist. Woo! I know. Yay! I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I've, I've, you know, read through her profile and her credentials and all that stuff. And I really feel um, hopeful about interacting and you know, seeking care. So, yeah, that's really nice. I'm I'm excited for that. Uh, we haven't officially started yet, but yeah, it, I think it'll be really good for me, especially like with spring spring semester. Spring semester is gonna start on Monday, so I'm really excited because I'm also taking like a bunch of uh social uh sociology classes. So, uh, if there's anything that I noticed a trend about is like a lot of these topics. I feel I uh, directly relate to. So sometimes it does bring up a lot of stuff for me. So it's really nice that I'm going to be having a a therapist that can help me through all of that. Yay! Mm. That's a big step. It is a big step, yeah. Because I think part of it too, the struggle that I had was like, I definitely did feel like this little sense of entitlement. And like, well, what the hell? Like, I should get like you know treatment from like the veteran healthcare system like it's not happening the way that I want and I I don't know if it's totally due to the pandemic or if this was like this before the pandemic cuz all I know is veteran healthcare through the pandemic lens so like this is just the hand I was dealt so I'm just like and it wasn't fully working out for me so that's why I decided that I needed to seek outside help which is it it does make me feel a little bit salty because it's like i gotta you know pay out of pocket for that but at the same time it's like uh, like this is if this is what it takes you know then what's a good investment yeah yeah and that's yeah and that's how I, i try to look at it as you know through a lens of like gratitude and like um building like life building type of skills so yeah, I'm excited about it. But, you know, I also just got to acknowledge that part of it, too, because, like, if anybody is navigating the veteran healthcare specifically, like, it could be tough. But, you know, I just try to have patience and grace. <sighs> yeah, I don't really know much around how it's like, like, in terms of the research or the experiences surrounding veteran healthcare and mental health. But I would bet that that it's probably not easy to navigate mental health in in the veteran system because when you just look at healthcare right like for the long longest time western medicine operated as 
giving you direct medical care to your body and not necessarily preventing disease, but just treating it as it comes, you know? Yeah. And now, like, after so many centuries, like, we're trying to move towards a space of integrating not only mental health care, but also getting care for your social needs, you know, like housing and your food or mm-hmm. other things that can severely impact your ability to get healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's obviously we're not there yet. Like it's not fully integrated because, I mean, even my own experience in navigating getting uh, mental health care through my work insurance, because thankfully I have health insurance through my job. Um, that was a shit show because... First of all, like the directory of therapists that they had connected to their network wasn't updated on the my insurance's website, you know, because mm-hmm. when I would call these therapists, it'd be like, oh, they're not accepting clients or they don't accept this insurance. Um, and then on top of that, like I wanted to work with a therapist that I that was similar to where I came from in mm-hmm. terms of culture and background and uh Gender is important. I felt more comfortable speaking to a woman than with a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was hard. And so I can only imagine that that's probably the same in the veteran health system. But like you said, you don't know, does you know? Yeah. But I'm just speaking from like a a research kind of perspective just mm-hmm. because that kind of stuff fascinates me. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about mental health? Um, Get, if you, a lot of people probably don't have access to getting a therapist or finding one or even begin to think about it. So I hope that whatever your medicine is right now, I hope it's a good one. Yeah. And I would highly recommend friends, family a notebook dude yeah and if if you don't if you feel like you don't have any friends or family like be be your own friend first dog (laughs) because that shit goes a long way love yourself people love yourself and the people that love you will find you your tribe will find you yeah you'll find you'll find your tribe we could be your tribe if you want to. Yeah, heck yeah, man. A side note, if you have Medi-Cal in the state of California, you do have access to health, to mental health. It depends on the what county you're in and who provides you that insurance. Um, but it's there. Like, you just got to dig and... If you live in San Jose County, you either have HealthNet as your Medi-Cal insurance or HealthPen of San Joaquin, and they provide you mental health. Um, maybe not them directly. They usually work with another agency who gives you that support. So, for example, if you work for HealthPen of San Joaquin, you can get mental health through Beacon, and Beacon gives you access to therapists that you can call and and begin to work with and you don't pay anything 
Um, you just got to learn to advocate for yourself to get that care for yourself. Yeah. And it's hard. I've, I've like, I, I feel like even trying to do that for yourself sounds, can sound like an uphill battle. Cause I know some days like, you know, I don't even brush my teeth yeah. cause it's just like, for what? So like navigating the, the systems to try to get help for yourself, like, kudos to you if you make a phone call and leave a voicemail like good for you yeah like you're you're trying and you're doing the thing for yourself yeah acknowledge all the steps you're taking you know yep. even if you just woke up and brushed your teeth or just woke up <laughs> uh, yeah you just woke up and like you you maybe you ate a little something like good for you drank some water hell yeah hydrate people well i hope you like our backdrop it's a really beautiful area i hope you feel less alone out there yeah times are rough because we're in a pandemic yep please take care of yourselves everyone practice social distancing wear masks wash your hands this is just signing out take care love you guys Adios. It's does. Peace out.